Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk oh. Recorded live. 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 Eight o'clock Saturday night, July twenty first, two thousand eighteen. This is episode one forty two. Thank you all for coming out, hanging out with us on Friday night. Uh, tonight we're talking about flux capacitors and going back in time and <laughs> how to do that properly without getting electrocuted. And with that, uh, or losing your kidneys. Well, yeah, you don't want to lose any kidneys. That's never a good thing. So uh, let's see. There's uh, redressfordummies.org. That's the website. JC and Shaman um, have put together some educational information to help everybody get started on the Common Law Shamanism page, which is on redressfordummies.org. And they uh, also put together a Facebook page called Common Law Shamanism. And uh, you can go there and catch up with us. And find uh, You can find their email over there and contact information as well as on the Common Law Shamanism page on Redress for Dummies. Uh, at the moment, uh, donations are going, donations put out on the Redress for Dummies page are going to JC and Shaman. If you want to send me something specifically for me, uh, you need to use my P.O. box because I'm you know, supporting these guys and what they're doing, and I really appreciate them being here and teaching me everything that I've learned in the last few months. It's, it's great to get to hang out with these guys, and uh, they, they've been an absolute blessing to me. We've become friends, and it's, it's fantastic. So uh, I'm going to try. I don't know what we're actually talking about tonight. So it's flux capacitors, but I'm sure that's going to fit into the story somewhere. And uh, and uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over, turn it over to JC and, and Shaman and and chill out a little bit and just watch the board. Hey hey hey! Thank you everybody hey, hey. for spending your Saturday evening with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Shaman. What's up, dudes and chicks? Um, yeah, thanks for being out tonight. Last week, uh, we've had some interesting things going on. We had a buddy of ours who we're kind of helping a little bit. He went to court this week, and um, it's really neat how God works, man, because last week he kept me from saying part of the message, and I was talking to Justine about it, or Gus, and he's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because that sounds like a whole other message. And it really is because uh, he finished giving it to me today. And just with the circumstances of that buddy of ours, um, you know, I think it's a pretty cool message. So last week we were talking about in the book of Matthew in chapter 17, 22, 27. I don't know if you guys, people who weren't on here, I'll just kind of refresh you. You know, Jesus was in Galilee, and he was just 
telling them that they were going to kill him. <clears throat> and but on the third day, he was going to raise again. So they went on into uh, Capernaum, and when they re- when they got there, they received, uh, you know, the people that received tribute money or the tax came to Peter and said, "Hey, does your master pay a tribute?" And he said, "Well, yeah." And he and then when he came into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, "What thinkest thou, Simon? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Why did you tell them that?" He prevented him. is like a rebuke, you know. He said, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of the strangers? And Peter said unto him, of strangers. And Jesus said to him, the children are free. And children is really the sons, and free would be exempt. Um, and then, But he says, notwithstanding, least that we offend them, go, to the, go thou to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. And uh, I'm just going to pray real quick if you guys don't mind. Um, Father, we just want to thank you for the time we get to hang out together and these relationships that we're building and the law that you give us and the word and the minds that we have and the souls that we have and the fact that we kind of get to hang out together and, you know, not only learn ourselves, but hopefully learn you and learn how to get to know you better and then how to apply that to our lives so that we can try to create a little better world than what we've found it when we got here. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, you know, we talked about that, but I, I didn't get to finish what I was, one of the big parts that I was getting to. Notice this is dealing with the tax. First, I don't give legal advice. JC doesn't give legal advice. Brian or Gus, none of us do that. Okay, what we do is we share a belief. But, you know, you got to remember, we're the kingdom of heaven, so we have a, a belief of our own government, right? And that's really what it's about, is choosing a government. As the sons, we're free. We're exempt from that. We're exempt from those types of things because, you know, you're not of the kingdom. You know, we're not in that world. We're not, we're of our fathers. He created this world. So since he's the creator, we're the sons, we're not going to pay that tax. So the interesting thing is, though, I want, to watch, I want you to watch something. And this deals with a lot of people because you can apply this to trials, too. And I'll get to that. I'll show you how we'll tie it in. <clears throat> but watch what Peter does with one word. Yes. I don't know if it was peer pressure. I don't know if he just wasn't thinking. I don't know if he was worried about getting arrested or taken. I mean, I don't know what his reason was, and the Bible doesn't really say why. But when Peter was confronted with these agents of government of that time, they came up to him and they're like, hey, do you pay? Does your master pay this? So they recognized, first of all, who his master was. And we, you know, we talked about in their Black's Law how it even recognizes that the kingdom of heaven or the church is a separate government under the precepts and ordinances of Jesus Christ established by him. So we know that they, the other side, they being the government of the United States or the legal system recognizes um, the church as a separate kingdom. Um, but here's Peter with one word. 
Yes, he does. But he was rebuked by his master. His master rebuked him. And uh, with that one word, what he did was he stepped out of the kingdom and into theirs and volunteered. Not only did he volunteer himself, but he volunteered Jesus. And because of that, what did Christ say? He says, look, notwithstanding, at least we should offend them. Just, just go to the sea, cast your net, pull out the first fish you get, reach in its mouth, boom. Not only did he, it was two, uh, uh, what was that currency? I'm trying to think. I think it was called a darium. It wasn't a dinar. It was a darium or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but you guys can look that up later. But the price was two, and then the fish's mouth was four. So not only did Christ provide his own, but he provided for Peter. And what I thought was pretty interesting about that, you know, we've been talking a lot lately over the last few months about and some people are getting upset with me for saying this too, but I keep telling you, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's like people just think, you know, hey, it doesn't require anything of me. And, you know, let's look at this example. So even though Peter kind of stepped out, did the wrong thing, he was rebuked by Christ, but, you know, the Creator knows the hearts of men, and he says, look, even, and I'm paraphrasing for all you people out there dotting the I's, just I'm paraphrasing. Look, I'm going to work all things to the good of them that love me, okay? If you screw up, but if your heart's true and you're really trying and you keep coming to me, eventually I'm going to be able to help straighten it out, even if it means just going ahead and killing you and getting you out of the situation. And it may mean that sometimes. You may just mess up so bad that, you know, the only answer is to take you to heaven. Um, I don't know what that is, when that is, but, you know, it usually works things out for us. So, uh, but the interesting thing was, first, Peter had to obey, hey, go down to the sea and cast your net. Peter, and then you're going to find the coin and the fish, right? So not only did Peter have to obey his master, but then he had to have faith. So he has faith. So first he obeys, then he has faith, and he goes down to the sea. Okay, so he goes and he cast his net, which is a work. So he obeyed, then he had faith, then he did a work, and then the Lord provided. Okay, so you see how all those things worked in perfection with one another. And if any one of those things hadn't been there, it wasn't going to happen. If he didn't cast his net, he never would have pulled the coin, and the gift from the Father wouldn't have been able to be delivered. Um, if Jesus wasn't his master, none of it would have happened. He would have just been paying tribute and been under the government that he was before Christ found him on the on the sea. <clears throat> so the other part of that is, is Peter volunteered. You know, these choices that we have um, when these trials come, and, and this is something that's been really big, and the reason I, that we wanted to revisit this, you know, JC and I talked about this today for quite a while, because people we help and we talk to, you know, a lot of people will tell, yeah, 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 man, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then like two days later, they forgot it again. And we're really trying to figure out the best way we can 
to try to pound this idea home, to get it into people's heads, um, what we're trying to say, so that they can be helped when these, these trials come. Because it's very important, if you think about the story that you just heard from the Bible about the fish, it's very important that there's certain elements must exist for you to receive that kind of help. Okay, again, if you take out any of those, um, it isn't going to work. And it isn't going to work <clears throat> either not at all or very well, and it's going to cause you a lot of strife and a lot of hardship. So I'm going to read something out of the book of James. It's the first chapter. Um, first, I'd like to say faith without works is dead. It's period. It's dead. Now, this guy is the brother of Jesus Christ himself, his half-brother on earth. So this cat knew Christ really well. So I'd like to, uh, it's a little long read, but if you'll bear with me, I think you're going to hear some cool stuff in it. So it's a good little story. And this is talking about trials and temptations. Even Christ went through that, right? <clears throat> so here it is. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, which means basically various trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith work, worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and not abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not this man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? <clears throat> I'm going to stop there for a minute. Now, this is not necessarily saying that God isn't going to help this man, okay? Although, he may not. It may be that he's tried to get through and tried to get through and tried to get through and tried to get through. And this guy, you know, we're we're dealing with another guy, kind of, that's already been to prison. He's a great guy. We like him. Uh, he's weighed on my heart and other the other guy's hearts. And we tried and tried and tried to talk to him. And it just, no matter what we say and no matter how many times he fails going about it the way he's going about it, it's like a dog that returns to its own vomit, the Bible says. He just can't do it. He just won't listen. And it's going to destroy him. I am telling you, it's going to destroy him. There's just certain things in life or in spiritual matters or in science or math. The equation either works or it does not work. It is either correct or it is an incorrect formula, okay? And it's very difficult talking to somebody like this because, you know, we really want to help people who are suffering, especially people who have been through it as hard as he has. And he tries so hard and he studies so hard so many things, mostly the wrong things, and he just cannot break out. And and it's like one at one minute you've got to, oh, yeah, I get it, yeah, and then 45 seconds later he's undoing it and it's just like, a boat in a sea in a storm, you know, the waves are just bashing this boat. 
And it's so frustrating and it's so disconcerting if you let it. You know, one of the things that we tell people is it's not enough for it to be just in your head. And, you know, you've heard not only, uh, I mean, there was a man before us, another guru who used to say this, and he's absolutely correct, and we're going to reiterate with that. You have to be man before you can get this in your heart. To get it in, when you get it in your heart, that's when you become man. And just having this knowledge in your head doesn't work. Um, we've got a friend who's a jet. He was a jet fighter pilot back in the 80s. Um, and I've talked to him at nauseum about, you know, what the experience was like when he, you know, he read the manual and he'd do the checklist and then they'd go over it and they'd do their all their different things and they'd take these tests in school or their, you know, in their academy or whatever you call it. And they'd go through this process, and they'd do the checklist, the pre-flight list. They'd do all this book stuff, right? And you can have all that knowledge. You can get certified. You can do all that, okay? But until you grab the throttle of that jet fighter, and you're flying at six, 700 miles an hour, however fast they flew, five, 600 miles an hour, and you feel the throttle, you know, you're in the wind, and you know the turbulence and the pressure and all the different elements that go into that, and I don't pretend to know him. Um, he said them, but I didn't really get it. You know, he's a pilot. I'm not. But, you know, as he's describing it, you know, it's just this feeling that you have. It's like it's not only your book smarts, but it's the perfection of the faith and the work coming together. It's the application and the the faith that that machine is going to work right and that the knowledge you were taught is going to work and that the instruments are working correctly. Even at night when you can't see anything outside the cockpit, the only thing you have are the instruments and all the things you've been taught and the feeling that you have in your hands when you're flying that jet. And if you're not, if you don't have that feel for it, just like an artist who can paint, some people can paint, some people can't. Some people can play drums. Some people are engineers. But if you don't have that ability, okay, if you're not able to transition from your head to your heart, you can read until your head explodes, and it's not going to work. This is not a checklist that we're going through with this stuff. I'm Correction, it is, okay? There is the manual. There is the do and don't do list, okay? But being in the kingdom of heaven and being able to move is a whole lot like breathing. It's just something that you do. Like when you don't even think about breathing, it's just, you know, you wake up like the human experience or the, or the, the man flesh experience. Okay. You have a soul. It's in your body. This body is not you. This is just a vessel that you're using to get through this dimension so that you can move on to the next one later. And this whole world is a test for us, okay? So you don't think about breathing. You don't really think about blinking. You don't think about a lot of the stuff you do, right? The body just, you've learned it since you were a kid, and these this soul and this flesh harmoniously just kind of work together, just like faith and works. And it's just something you're going to know. You just know it. It's on your heart, 
And that's why he says, don't worry when you're brought before governors in the synagogues, meaning, you know, the, the trials. When you go to these judges and you go into these kingdoms and they're, you're brought before these foreign kings and you're brought to these men and they, they bring you before them and they're trying you, right? They're, they're putting you on trial just like they did the Savior. They're boom, boom, boom. You know, they're throwing these questions. Who are you? What are you doing here? Didn't you do this? I bet you did this, 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 and this. You've got to know how to just boom, 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 snap that stuff out of your head because it's on your heart. It's who you are. And the way that that's going to happen is by casting that line out into the sea. You can't get the blessing until you're able to take and have the faith. First, you've got to obey. Then you've got to have the faith to cast that net. But you've also got to have the knowledge of how to cast a net. Like, if you don't know how to cast a net in the sea, you're not going to pull up any fish. And you're never going to get that coin. You're never going to get that blessing or that thing you need, that wisdom or that knowledge or that patience that you need. And a lot of times, I think that comes from fear. It's not just ignorance. Because people are fairly smart. Um, It's not that the people we help aren't smart. I mean, some of these people are engineers and jet pilots. I mean, JC and I dropped out of high school. It's not that we're smart. Maybe it's just that we listen a little better. Maybe just, you know, we're having a little more faith. You know, when I went through my experience, um, I didn't really surrender until the, the final day. Like, it took that long for the creator to knock me in the head to get me to understand what I was supposed to be learning, you know, in the beginning of that chapter, <clears throat> listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that when you're trying your faith, work with patience. You see what he's doing? Like, uh, you know, we've talked about the refining of the sword or the word, the spoken word. They, you know, the, to temper the steel, they heat it, then they bang it. And then they shove it in water and cool it down, and then they heat it, and then they bang it and beat it. And that's kind of what, you know, is going on with us. The more experience you get, you know, a lot of us ask for wisdom or patience or, hey, God, will you show me this? God, will you show me that? You know, but the only way you can do that, guys, is to actually get in the fight or get into the experience of what's going on. Um if you're not in the fight of it, you're not going to get the wisdom. But the other thing that I'd like to address, if I may, there's something else I want to read before I get off here. I'm going to go ahead and read this real quick before I go on to this next thing. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, this is verse 19, first chapter of James. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart apart all filthiness and superfluidity and naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engraveth word in which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any have a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man that beholdeth his natural face in the glass, and for he beholdeth himself, and he goes away straight, 
straightway forgetting what manner of man he was. Do you see? Like, there's a guy right now, every week, it doesn't matter what I say, I could tell him my name, I could spell it properly, doesn't matter, I'm a heretic. He, he's always, oh, he's, everything I say is wrong. Every, he doesn't, because he's not listening. He's quick to speak. He's quick to wrath. He's quick to judge. He's not hearing what I'm saying because he's got in his head, everything I'm saying is wrong. Um, and then, and then on another part of that with other people, doesn't fear work a lot of this stuff? Um, We study, we hear, people get angry when they don't hear or if they don't understand, and they're in this system, they're dealing with their problems, they're dealing with the trial, they're dealing with the judge, they're dealing with their family member, they're dealing with the prosecutor. You know, there's families involved in this, wives and husbands. Um, some daughters and sons, they have all these relationships that are intermingled with this, you know, and you've got one guy that may have a lot of faith, one guy who's trying, one woman who's trying. The others don't have that kind of faith. They're being tossed to and fro, right? They're pulling this guy down. There's the allegory of the cave again, like we talked about last week. That anger and that fear is a driving force in a lot of these trials that we go through in life. And to get back to the guy that we're helping right now, you know, sometimes he gets a little disconcerted. It's like, man, you know, I'm really trying. I mean, he doesn't necessarily always say this, but I, I'm, I've been where he's at, so I know what he's going through. Um, and I can tell in his voice and some of the questions he asks, it's like, gosh, you know, and the only thing that JC and I can tell him is, dude, you're just going to have to get quiet and still listen and surrender. You've got to let this stuff drip down from that brain into your heart, and you're just going to have to cast your net, and you're going to have to have faith that that coin is going to be in that fish's mouth, that you're going to get that wisdom, and that God's going to make straight your path. You know, when you're trying, and you've been stumbling around your whole life, and you really didn't understand what was going on, man, when you start this fight, it is not going to happen overnight. You're not just going to be like, get it, wow. I mean... It takes time. It's taken years to gain this kind of knowledge and a lot of anger and fear, um, frustration. Um, there's been moments I wanted to give up. I thought about capitulating. I'm sure JC experienced some of those emotions. I'm probably Gus. You know, we can talk about it after the message. You know, it's it's that's nothing new under the sun, guys. I mean, we're just flesh. You know, we're we're all trying to make our way through this thing together. And and that's what needs to happen. But uh, he he's getting like, you know, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. And it's like, hey, buddy, surrender is the only thing we can tell you. So, you know, we've been telling him certain things over and over and over and over again. And then this morning I was talking to him on the phone. He's like, hey, man, I woke up this morning and I had an epiphany. And I said, really, what was that? And he said, well, the prosecutor or the attorney is a person talking to a person, and that's not me. And I kind of laughed, you know, because we've only said that like 3,722,000 times. But it was great because that was a perfect example of how you can hear something and see something a thousand times and then 
when the moment is right and you're listening to the creator, he takes that little needle and just pricks you on the arm and gets your attention. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, I got it. And uh, and that thing that I just mentioned sounds like a little thing, but that is huge. That is a huge epiphany. When you actually get that, that is massive because that double-minded thing that the Bible was just talking about, being tossed to and fro, here's the double-minded. I'm not the person. I'm not the person. I'm not that person. Oh, look what they wrote to me. Look what I got in the mail. Look at this. Oh, man, they're charging me with this. Oh, they just charged me with that. Did they? Who's this they? Who is you? Is that your name? Is that how you spell your name? Or is that how I spell I name? You know, these words are important. Um, somebody said in the show last week, every word is important. Well, one word bridled not only Peter, but Jesus with a tax they're not even, that they're exempt from. But God provided their means. Why? Because he loves them. He's going to provide for his children. It says, the Bible says, who doesn't pay the tax? The son. Oh, the sons don't. So it's not enough just to know that there's a God. You got to know the guy. You got to know him. You got to kind of surrender to him, right? You got to be forgiven and get to know him, and he's got to be your dad. And then when he does that, when you do that, you guys come together, and and then he's going to start changing your heart, which is going to help renew your mind. And then slowly over time, these trials are going to teach you the wisdom, like the man I was when I was 20 is not the man I am now. The man I was three years ago is not the man I am now. I have grown leaps and bounds in my understanding of the of the creator, my father, um, how I feel towards the people on this show, towards my people around me, my family. Um, with age comes wisdom, you know, with lessons and strife and temptations and failures. Man, how can you succeed if you don't have a failure or two, right? So don't let these failures beat you down, guys. Don't get so downtrodden when you fail or you don't get something or it's you're struggling. Welcome to the club. JC and I argue about stuff still because we're still trying to learn how to dance properly. I mean, we got a lot of the steps down, but we're still working together. This is a thing that you grow in slowly but surely. And the key is... Just keep dancing. Keep casting your nets. Don't give up. Take these things that are bashing you in the head, and the way to keep them from bashing the head is ask God not to get rid of them, but what can I learn from it? What are you trying to knock me in the head with that I'm not getting right now? Why have I been led to this place? I asked you to help me. Well, sometimes he's helping you. By putting you into a situation in a meat grinder so that you can come out of it stronger. Uh, JC's one of JC's favorite guys in the Bible is Job. Look what happened to that man. Good grief, that man went through it. But what was his reward? You know, JC's going to be doing a lesson on him pretty soon. Um, as a matter of fact, whenever he tells me he wants to. Just keep dancing, guys. Keep asking the questions. Keep searching for the answers, but don't be double-minded because God's not, not going to be able to help you when you're double-minded. The more double-minded you are, the harder it is for the Holy Spirit to guide you. 
And it may not be because God doesn't want to guide you or he's mad at you. It may just be because you're not listening. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs for you to get out of the road. There's a, there's a truck coming. But you're like, you're being so loud asking him what he's saying that you can't hear his answer. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty much what I wanted to say tonight. Um, there's more, but I can get to that next week if God permit. So I'm just going to close it out with a quick prayer. Um, God, I hope that these words help somebody or help them to think about it and learn to learn from these things that they're going through, the trials they're going through, if they're having family issues or court issues or friend issues, whatever it is that you're trying to teach us so that we can all come together and effectively work together as a team to make this world a better place knowing that we have to have a relationship with you and that comes by forgiveness through Christ and what he did for the redemption of mankind by the blood. Um, guide us in all ways and help us love each other and help us love our enemies. Uh, in the name of Yeshua, that's it. That's all I got. One of my favorite quotes from Hemingway about being a different man today than you were three years ago or ten years ago is there's uh you know there's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility comes from being superior to your former self. Yeah, that's a good quote. That's a real good quote. Yeah, it always stuck with me. Another well, thing yeah. that I really like is, uh, you know, back uh, with Batman Begins, which Christian Bell plays the best Batman, in my opinion. I agree but with that. Alfred asks him, you know, why do we, why do we fall down, Master Bruce? And that's to get back up, you know. The true measure of a man is not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. And you know what makes, you, what makes you feel better about losing? Winning. You know, the thing is, guys, eventually... Eventually, you know we win this, right? Like, eventually we're going to win. Sounded like somebody was going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say that that's all I had to say. Leave the floor kind of open for somebody to talk Hey, Brian, you on the call? Yeah, I'm here. I had to unmute. You have anything you'd like to add to that, my brother? I was just thinking when you talk about words and the importance of words, there's a verse in the Bible. I had to look it up to find it, but it's in Isaiah 29. It says... uh, it says, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. That's the, the victory. For the terrible one is brought to naught, 
and the scorner is consumed, and this is it. This is where we're at now. And all that watch for iniquity are cut off, colon, that make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. They lay snares for you, for you to use the wrong word, because whether you believe it or not, it's not like you're preaching, but what you're doing, you're a reproof to them. When you try and stand up as a man, you're telling them that they're doing wrong. You're a a reproof to them. And it says, and uh, they they turn aside the just. The just is means it's like justified, or justified with man. It, that's upright. That means upright with God. The just for a thing of naught. They look down on you like you're a zero. And that's where the Bible also says the wicked flee when none pursue. I mean, just the presence of man in in front of them when they know who you stand for, I mean, think about it. Think about how you would feel if you were hanging out in your living room and a satanic priest walked in into your temple, into your house. I mean, just the very fact, like you should expound on that, Brian, because you and I talked about that just the other day with light and being salt and how, um, you know what I'm talking about. It was like a couple, three days ago we were talking about that. You want to talk about that a little bit? I don't remember the conversation that well. <clears throat> I've never salt. known you to be short for words. <laughs> well, salt, you know, one verse in the Bible when you start talking about salt. Salt is the, I know that verse that says if salt, if salt loses its uh, savor, it's neither fit for this or this, right? One of the things that it says it's not fit for it's for the dunghill. So, you know, the dunghill is something that's, you know, it's unclean, we'll say. And why do you put salt on that? Because the salt keeps the stink down. You know, just being being in there, you know, you come in and you do right, and it keeps them from making it worse on everybody else sometimes. What you have to do is you're you have to realize that when you're submitted to the Lord and you're doing right, it's going to have an effect. You go in there, and if you go in for the right reasons, and we're so focused a lot of times on ourselves, most of the time. I'm going through this, I'm going through this, and the things that Sean said were very important. Lord, show me why I'm going through this. What lesson do I have to learn? And it may not be that you're even going through it for your lesson, but you're having an effect on somebody else there. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, his His ways aren't our ways, you know. But that's what you have to be open to is just uh, surrender to do your best and do what he leads you to do and let the chips fall where they may. When I went to uh, Bible college, we had a class and he said, instructor said this, he said, if they came through the door right now with AK-47s and said, we're going to line every one of you guys that doesn't recant, we're going to line you up against that wall and blow your brains out, he said, you guys should be running to the wall to see who gets there first. Well, that was pretty hard saying, you know, I was just 
been married a year or two, kind of young, and I'm thinking, man, gosh, I'd like to experience life a little bit. But that you start meditating on that, and it's like that's where you got to be. You have to be the unstable man. He's unstable in all his ways because he won't commit. That's what makes you unstable. Well, you know, I can go with this man stuff, but I know these statutes over here do this, and they say this. But so you're unstable because in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm not committed to use this and go with this. I feel like God wants me to do this. But uh, I still know I can run over here and plead this statute or do this or that or the other thing. Well, you're not committed. That's why you're unstable. And if you want to commit to that side, go to that side. Nobody wins. But if you commit to the Lord and you do what, if you feel that's what he would have you to do, which I can't see why he wouldn't, I mean, that's just, you get into truth. We've had this conversation before. It's like, well, where do you live? I'm living right in front of you. You know? No, 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 no. Where, where's your residence? Well, I don't have a residence. I just, I'm, I'm in this body. <laughs> you know, that's truth. Can you think of yeah. some other examples, John? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's actually really ironic, some of the things you said, and I'm sure my friend who's on this call right now, the guy JC and I are helping, I bet he, as soon as you said it, it hit him like a ton of bricks, because he was telling me this morning, one of the things he was quoting is, God's ways is not our ways. You know, sometimes, guys, we forget, we may be the only Christ that these people see. I mean, these people are in an evil, wicked system, and a lot of those guys are true believers, and they think, they're doing right. And then, you know, the Bible says, woe unto them and call good evil and evil good. You know, we're in a world that's so upside down right now because the church is impudent. And when I say church, guys, I don't mean the true church. I'm talking about this building religious thing that's going around right now. Uh, this this same belief, everybody, well, no, the other churches all suck, but mine's good. Man, look, there's a problem. Um, and it's impudent. And, and when it's not having an effect, guys, you know. So right now, I mean, we all kind of feel, we've talked about this, you know, off these calls, but, you know, have you ever thought about the fact that right now that the Lord is calling people unto himself, like he's given wisdom and knowledge and visions to men again, you know, um, things that you may not like, maybe, maybe Brian's right, maybe the whole reason. Like, I can tell you that the agent that I talked to, most of the conversation we had was dealing with the Bible. It, you know, honestly, I bet a good third of the whole time we were talking about the Bible. Um, and even on the phone. And, I mean, he ended up being very pleasant to me, which was, a, I mean, the whole, the whole thing was turned around and people's perceptions of me were changed. And it's because I went in there like a servant, like I was supposed to, instead of being difficult and being double-minded. And and Brian's absolutely right. That was one other thing that I wanted to talk about tonight, and that was what did Lot's wife do when she was turned to a pillar of salt? She was looking back on Sodom like, well, maybe, you know, there's my stuff, there's my life, or I left this on the counter, or I left this, or maybe she liked some of the shops that were in there or something Regardless of what it was, God was pulling her this way, 
And she was looking back, and God was trying to tell her, look, if you look back, you're going to be destroyed. Like, you can't go back. You can't be double-minded. Otherwise, I can't help you. Um, so, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> guys, I mean, if we're trying to change the world, aren't they in it? I mean, aren't we supposed to love those that we think are our enemies um, and pray for those, right? So, I mean, I think Brian hit it right on the head. It's like maybe the whole point of going into that, that arena is so that they can see the truth. Maybe it does have an effect. Maybe when they go home at night, it allows that little bit of salt to get in that wound to where they can feel the truth pricking their heart again. Um we should probably try to have compassion for these people, and I didn't for a long time. But I can tell you that even though I get frustrated and angry with them, they're still in the back of my mind like, hey, they need us too. I mean, they're they're in a worse position. I was, I was the same way. I was so angry because I could see what was going on and all the abuse. And, of course, you know what I, I went through too. But... uh I was so angry, and then one day I said, okay, Lord, I'll accept the rebuke. You know, you say we're supposed to pray for others, and we're supposed to pray for our enemies, so I started. And uh, it was two or three days later, I, I started, information started falling on me. I mean, just, just out of the blue, I find stuff that I hadn't, you know, started getting answers to questions and stuff. But it wasn't until I got that past that anger, that wrath, like we were talking earlier. As soon as I got past that, it was like the Lord started giving me answers and things. You said that uh, it totally changed. When you surrendered, Sean, you said it totally changed. And the Bible says that uh, if a man loved God and love is also obeying him, that's not just, it, it is also, it's an emotional thing, but it's also obedience. But it says if a man loved God, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's another verse that says, if a man loved God, uh, it's known of him. When they see it, and they see that sincere, and you saying, hey, a third of the questions probably was about Bible. That guy was seeing if you were just using that as a jailhouse religion or if you were sincere, I think. And, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't lie. That's what it did. Well, it's funny you said that because there's all on down in James, and I didn't go into it, it in chapter 2, I believe. So before the, the rebuker buddy that follows us gets me, I'm pretty sure it was in chapter 2. It might have been chapter 4. But it, it talks about that, that very thing. Like, people should go read that because uh, it's kind of neat how that whole thing came. Like, this whole message today came together as a piece from last week a conversation with the guy we're helping, my buddy JC, and then you, because you and I generally talk about, it's kind of neat, our conversations are neat in general anyway, but the whole lesson plan just fell together tonight just like it was supposed to. And in, and the cool thing is, is it's dealing with people right where they're at, you know, and that's where the Holy Spirit is, right where we need them. Um, and you were talking about anger, AJC. Yeah. You want you know the one guy we're we're helping right now that we love so much who's dealing with the anger factor and how it keeps throwing him around. You want to talk about that a little bit in case he's listening that way he can kind of get an idea of what we're trying to talk about with that. Well, I mean I don't think it's just uh that but it's like any time 
but you go in with anger. I mean, even if you're going into a fight, you know, anger messes with your state of mind. Um, you're not going to think clearly when you're when you're acting with anger, and not only are you not going to think clearly, but when you're when you're angry and you're fighting, especially the system, um, you know, like they they have more power, they have more manpower. Like you're not going to be able to fight them and beat them. It's it's not about fighting them and beating them. It's about doing the right thing, um, you know, and that's why I say to most people, like, it's not about a fight, it's about a struggle, because um, we don't really wish to oppose. It's, it's kind of like what Shaman was saying earlier, where, uh, you know, the, the goal is not to oppose them, like, they wish and require for us to be there just as much as, in a lot of ways, we wish and require for them to be there. Because without the struggle of humanity, if you will, um, people aren't going aren't gonna to grow individually. People aren't going to learn on an individual spiritual level. And really, in my opinion, that's why, you know, God, man, the creator, is putting us all through these kind of trials and tribulations is so that we can grow spiritually to be more to his liking and understanding. Um, but, you know, with anger, that's, that's not spirit of God. That's not spirit that, that dwells within him. It, you know, every now and then he'll exert it, but typically the man's quick and swift. Um. If you don't mind, JC, I'd like to kind of expound on something you brought up. Yeah, go sometimes, ahead. Sometimes, like he hit something really awesome just there. I mean, think about this, guys. I'm not saying it's anybody on this call or anybody we're working with, just all of us in general. Have you ever thought about sometimes these trials come about, A, maybe you were being godless. Maybe this whoever was being god, they weren't following the creator, they were being double-minded, and they wanted the benefits of that other world, so they were tasting the fruit, and then, bam, they get caught with their pants down. They get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They get caught in Bathsheba's bedroom, you know. It's like all of a sudden you've tasted the fruit, you compromised a little bit, and then now you're in the crap. So maybe, just maybe, some of the trials we're going through are actually to find out who we really are. Maybe it's to show us, maybe maybe the Lord's trying to show us where we're really at. Are we really one of his kids? Are we not? Are we really doing good? Are we really in his will? Or are we just like those people who say, oh, I prayed to the Lord, he let that, I knew he if, if he let that bank loan go through, that meant he wanted us to have the house. No, he didn't, because the Bible strictly forbids debtors, and even if you didn't believe, in the Bible, common sense will tell you if you're a debtor, you're subject to the lender. You're a slave now. You're you're bound for 30 years. So I just don't think that's something that a smart creator is going to want you to do, to get in debt. So perhaps a lot of the times when we think it's the voice of the Lord, it's just us 
maybe doing what we want to do and then trying to justify it. You know what I'm saying? Or trying to be selfish by saying we're the benefactors of some system that we're not even supposed to be in. I mean, it's funny. The same people will tell you that the birth certificate and the straw man are not us and that it's a fiction and it's fraud and that they're using it will turn right around and want to benefit from it. I've never understood that. But And by benefit, I mean these people who do the the birth certificate claim for trillions and billions of dollars and all that silly stuff. That just makes no sense to me. It never has why they wouldn't want to do that. I understand why we all got caught up in the Social Security number and the driver's license. We all, almost everybody on this call has done that. And we're all trying to figure out how to pull back out of that at varying levels. But I I would like to say something. I've heard about people going into courts and saying the exact or very, very close to the same stuff that I did on certain things, and it not working. And the reason is because I don't, I don't necessarily think they're all sincere. I think some of them could be, and that they still have something to learn. Like I had to go through it three times. If you'd have looked at me on the first time, you might have thought that maybe I wasn't sincere, you know. But uh, if you're just trying to use God to get out of paying taxes or to get out of a speeding ticket or to get out of some agreement you had or something, I don't necessarily think it's going to work that good. I think it could sometimes just because blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. But I think you have to really be true. So I think a lot of the trials we go through are really just trying to put a mirror up, like the Bible just says, you know, looks at his reflection and then goes away and forgets what he saw, right? God's trying to teach us who we are so that he can teach us who we need to be. Gus, do you want to say anything? You're muted, Gus. Uh oh. We've lost. We've lost. We've lost Gus. There he is. There uh, he is. I'm back. I, I had. I got my headset on. And I was on speaker, so uh, so I could hear it on the speaker. So I had to take the speaker off and unmute and get the Bluetooth on. Um, no, I, I totally agree with you guys on all of it. You know, it's, it, I really don't have anything to add. It's 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 all it's all basic, simple stuff. It's the stuff we keep talking about, and it's it's nice to hear it in a different way. Well, I mean, the thing of it is, it is simple. And I do, you know, I've been told by others that, like, you know, what maybe we see as simple, other people really struggle with because it's so foreign to them. So, you know, that's what we're here for is try to help people see what we're seeing. You know, we have a vision. Um, Oh, hey, Brian, remember we were talking about the elect? Yeah. Will you go into that a little bit and explain to them the difference in that? Well, we were just kicking it around, you know. But, uh, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to meditate on these things. And I'm thinking, well, the elect, who are the elect? And uh, the elect comes from election. They're the ones that made the choice. And you're going to make the choice or you're not. We were talking about and. In the latter days, it might be possible to deceive even the elect. Well, the elect would be the ones that are pretty much 
closest to God, but we're, there's a verse that says, make your calling and election sure. So all men are called, but few are chosen. Well, I think that means it's just like I said before, you know, the when you make your calling and election sure, well, your calling, well, you know that the Lord wants to use you. You know where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in his kingdom. And then the election is where you make the choice to jump in with both feet. It's where you commit. And, uh, you know, you've got to make that choice. And so the elect are the ones that have, you know, come into God's kingdom. They're the ones that are following him and they're studying and all that. I think that's about what we talked about. Well, you were talking about how it didn't necessarily just mean the church, and it was talking about the people who were yeah, actually I called. Think, I, I think that, you know, and other stuff I've read, that there's there's a difference between the church and the kingdom, and that's just coming from uh, Brother Gregory's stuff. And I kind of, I see it, and I agree with it. I think that the uh, the kingdom is actually those that are ministers in the church, those guys that come in, you know, the, the disciples, the apostles, they were ministers within it. Um, afterwards, after uh, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, you know, in the early book of Acts, that's where they're going. They're going right into the temple. And, you know, they don't have anything. They don't have any worldly substance. Uh, you know, Peter sees the, the guy, he's begging alms, and he's, he says he was halt. I guess his legs were withered or something. And Peter says, look at me. He says, look upon me. He says, gold and silver have I none, but what I'll give, I'll give to you. And, you know, gives, and uh, he says, rise and walk. I mean, so people just let go of all the other stuff. And I'm not saying this is for everybody on this call. But, uh, you know, people that are willing to just let go of all this stuff. You know, I told Sean, on kind of sidestep here for a minute. I said, I went through the IRS stuff like a lot of people and I told Sean I said you know the easiest way to insulate yourself against the IRS what did I tell you Sean you you told me many things so I'm not really sure you're going out how do you insulate yourself against the IRS be poor (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) let it all go You know, just the thing is, is like he said, you know, the minute you go out and you get that loan, you know, you became, the Bible says, the borrower is servant unto the lender. You just became an indentured servitude. You signed the contract. You signed the papers. You know, you're there till it's done. Now, I think a lot of people, they see the truth. They want to come out. They want to get out. Now, the honorable thing is to, fulfill those things or see if there's a, a way out. A lot of times in a mortgage and stuff, there's ways out of it. But uh, they're feeling the effects still from the old life. They're carrying it over. They want to do right, but they're bound down by what they, they've already done. And you just got to address it. You got to pray for them. You got to go on. But I've just, all my life, I felt like borrowing money, it just, it's just always drawn, it's like cross-grain for me. It just don't make sense. And uh, I don't think I've ever borrowed money except for twice, and that was under a couple thousand dollars. 
I've got a question. I was was talking to somebody, funnily enough, about this just the other day. Um, You know, neither a borrower nor a lender be. And we were talking about mortgages. And I was supposed to, you know, uh, doing the mortgage thing. And they said, if nobody has a mortgage, where is everybody going to live? You can rent. You're renting off somebody who has a mortgage, so you're still playing into that life. Right. Well, that's And I wasn't quite sure how to answer them, so I said, well, maybe the reason you have a mortgage is because you have to have the best of everything. All you need is a little cabin with, you know, however many bedrooms and how much could that cost. And I, I didn't quite know how to answer it, so... Here's the well, question. It, without a mortgage and without a loan to buy a decent car, what do people do? What what you're looking at is the effects of a generational thing. I uh-huh. mean, that's been going on. In the 1900s, you know, late 1800s, people that did borrow money, you know, they didn't borrow. If they borrowed money long term, they never went more than seven years because they were following Levitical law. Okay. Levitical law says that, you know, the seventh year you're supposed to release, have a release, which means Mm -hmm. you're supposed to release people from their obligations. So back then you still had a system where people, now in in the Old Testament it also says you're not supposed to charge your brother usury, which is interest. But it, you know, it also, and I, I had to look for this, but uh, I was talking to a fellow who was a preacher one time, and he says, you know, we're not supposed to pay interest either. And I got to looking, and it's in there. I, I, I have it written down in front of my Bibles. But uh, what you had is that people were still kind of following that Old Testament law. And then what happened is uh, when things began to be mechanized, coming into, you know, World War One and things, all these farmers, and, and everybody had stuff that I've read, they had uh, allodial titles to their property, or they had land patents on their property. And then then most people at that time, it was an agrarian society, most people lived on farms. And when they wanted to start buying tractors and stuff to make life easier, the banks came in and said, yeah, we can lend you the money, but you're also going to have to uh, take the uh, land patent off your property. And I allow them to get into that because if you have a land patent, you can, if they borrow, if they lend against it and you have a land patent on it, forget it. They'll never get your property. That's like first place lien. But uh, anyway, so then you had coming into everybody left because they wanted bigger money. So they started running into the cities and you had the roaring 20s and then you had the financial failure where they stole all that money. Well, it's like we were talking about last week, uh, Ma, where we were talking about last week. Do you remember? You know. Oh, God, we talk about so many things. Which one? Well, if you think about the lesson from one of the lessons from last week, I think it was last week or the week before, you know, what's what's happened, okay? You've had this, you know, we're we're not supposed to have any gods before Yahweh, okay? That's Mm -hmm. the first commandment. Okay, well... Now you now man creates these statutes or statues, right? Now government comes in, sets itself up like a church, and the United States becomes God. 
and they set up all these idols called presidents and congressmen. And then they pass these statutes, and they call them laws. And then they start loaning money, and they start providing social insurance for when you retire. And they start providing uh, food on a mass scale to where you no longer have to grow it. And they provide city water instead of wells and all this, right? So what's slowly happened over the last 100 years? The government provides everything. Like, we lost power yesterday, like, late last night, early, early in the morning, around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. We didn't get it back this afternoon. Look, we had nothing except for batteries. Um, and it's like everything people are getting is from that system. So that thing you're talking about, see, if we had been acting more godly and loving our fellow man like we're supposed to and using our heads, that never would have happened. But but we wanted the easy money, the easy life, the easy – look, and I'm guilty of it. I was going freaking nuts this morning because I couldn't just get up and make a cup of coffee. Um, yeah. <laughs> with my K-cups, you can imagine. I was like, oh, man, I had to get up and drive to Dunkin' Donuts. And it's like, you know, I could have boiled water and I could have done all. But that just tells you how even me, how even I'm hypocritical. Uh, we have become so dependent upon the otherworldly system, which is, in my opinion, nothing more than Satan's hole on us, <laughs> that we've lost touch with it. You know, and that's like, and I, last week I mentioned going back to when Jesus walked the earth. That that's what J.C. Brian Gus and I want to do is get you know try to get the church back to when Christ walked the earth. That's right. Um, that means what Christ taught the church was really supposed to be. The church didn't really exist technically until he was resurrected. But I think most people understood what I was meaning, and that's a little slight out to the guy who monitors me like he's a hall monitor. Um. Sorry, that's a little personal vanity there. But, uh, I mean, we're so dependent upon that system, and you're right. This is what the church is supposed to do. The church is supposed supposed to provide that system. And if the church is providing it, isn't that the creator providing our needs according to his riches and glory, entrusting things to us, right, for our benefit of ourselves and our family and our neighbors? And that's sacred, right? So... When we're in his kingdom, guys, this is how we build it. And the faster we do this, the faster we come together, the faster we work together, the quicker we're going to achieve it and have have answers for these problems that have been created, just like Brian said, generationally. You know, we have to undo a lot of mistakes that mankind has made over the last hundred years. Yeah. Centuries, really, but... Yeah, because getting out from under a mortgage and finding yourself with no place to live, you know, without being in the system, is going to be very difficult. Well, you know, for the next couple months, I'm living in a 10-foot camper. <laughs> I have hey, everything I'll I need. That. that is my dream. I want to get rid of everything, utilities and everything, and, um, and, and do that a, myself. But, you know. You can put a solar panel on top. I mean, these tiny homes. You know, why are yeah. people buying them? If you watch them, it's because, hey, we don't want a mortgage. Why? Because we want to live. We want to change life. And it's like, that's what yeah. I was, yeah, telling this guy, I said, 
Well, just live a simpler life, man. You don't have to have three stories and 400 rooms and five bathrooms and a four-car garage. And, I mean, you know, what do you really need? Just live a simpler life. That's the only way I know to get out of it. Whether that's a tent or a cabin on a creek somewhere or, you know, whatever. Well, that's, you know, that's where a mortgage, if you're, if you're, totally under what are you doing with the mortgage anyway you're just paying rent really i mean it, we with I, sean, sean sean and jonathan are from here there's a guy that that i'm trying to help that i know and we're talking about his mom's getting older and he's worried about losing the house they live in i'm like well where do you live and he's like oh man this is a bad neighborhood he said i go home at night and just go in and close the doors he says i don't have a I don't have a, uh, he's got like a couple of old, he's, he's got an old van and some stuff. He's He's got to go pay for it to be in this other garage because his backyard's landlocked. People won't let him get access to it. So he's strewn out all over anyway. And I'm like, and even when I, you know, I, I told him, I said, well, why don't you just sell the place? And, you know, when I, before even, Sean and Jonathan even know about Sean comes up with the same thing Jonathan both they're like why don't you just save why don't you just sell the place and I'm like yeah that's the best thing I told him sell a place go find a place for him and his mom to uh, just rent because he he says when she's gone he's going to go anyway but what he's worried about is if she has to go into care because she's 80 some years old she's paid in all this time but they're still going to put her in a nursing home, and then they're going to turn around. They're going to put a lien on the house. So what now imagine if the church was there. So what good did that do if there was Social Security involved? Social Security was a war on the family. Social Security was basically prior to that, mom and dad, when they got to be grandma and grandpa, they lived with the family. And then while dad went to work, you and mom took care of everything, but grandma and grandpa's values were imprinted on the kids. Well, you can't have kids being taught by grandma and grandpa. So public schools, now we've got to get them out of the house completely. So now you've got Social Security and the ones that do well, what are they? They don't have any contact with their grandkids. They're off in Florida. Hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> Sean, she lives in Florida. <laughs> Sean, Sean, clean That's up the guest room. I'll, I'll be there next week. <laughs> Brian, you suck. Me, me and my <laughs> Brian, do what you started. Brian can't be on the show no more, Gus. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. I'm keep him muted. <laughs> yeah, mute Brian. He can hear it, but I can't talk. I don't have a feeling that you live that you live great in Florida though. <laughs> but I mean do you but I mean honestly, you hear what he's saying, guys, it's like now they're wanting the kids like it. They got a preschool prequel. I mean, they want them like three, four years old. And it's just the way, like when my daughter started public school, you know, she I'm listening to the propaganda. I mean, they've already got her just soaked in to worshiping the government. It's like, oh, my gosh. 
you know. Um, and it's not that I'm anti anything. I, it's just, man, mankind was never meant to rule. Mankind is meant to follow and to be leaders. And being a leader is different than being a ruler. Um, but, it, I mean, it's true. If If my mom didn't have, I mean, of course, if she was in a bind, she could come here. But honestly, if she didn't have Social Security, look where, well, you know what I'm saying. You want to be independent. I'm just saying you're down there with Social Security. But if you lost Social Security, if you couldn't find a job, where would you be? And it's like, but but honestly, that's what the church was supposed to do. I mean, that was the whole point of being communal. Yeah. Let's back that up for a minute. Now, let's say mom didn't do that. And, and uh, she saved her money all that time. And then, well, yeah. you know, and then now the kids live together, you know, and the kids don't go, you know, the, she lives with the kids. The grandkids don't go to public school. You know, they're taught the morals. Of course, you know, public schools was a new thing. The kids were always taught privately back in the day, back in the, after the, after the uh, Revolutionary War. Yeah, into the uh, probably mostly up into at least the 1850s, the majority were taught at home or in a public or in a private school. And look how but, strong the families were. Yeah, and that was it. Look how smart the kids were. Yeah, because we didn't teach them anything. Well, I shouldn't say anything, but most of the crap they learned is not even going to be useful to them. It's exactly you know, it. it's not useful. I mean, they've taken home economics away. They've taken, you know, technical school away where they used to teach you a trade. Um, those things are out of the public school system now. All self-sufficiency. All self-sufficiency. Well, yeah. it's, it's all about relying on someone else or something. Exactly. And, and that's J- what the curriculum's about. JC and I have been talking. JC, um, if you want to get in, I'd like you to get in on this. Remember we were talking about, of course, I know we talk about a lot of stuff, but we were talking about how jobs, remember we were talking about how jobs were going to be obsolete in so many years and, you know, whether they're moving into the SDRs and the AI and the singularity. You want to talk about some of that? Because we had wanted to get into some of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, this isn't anything new. I think Bill Gates back in... 2012, um, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, said that, you know, by the time, you know, by 2028, uh, 98% of jobs will be obsolete. And a lot of people thought that he was talking about, like, service industry jobs and this and that. They thought that the well-educated would be protected but literally he was talking about everything. He was talking about there won't be a need for politicians, there won't be a need for attorneys. Basically, computers will take over society with artificial intelligence. And to get to a point about that right now, like there are two attorneys working at a law firm in Chicago that are not even people. They they are just artificially intelligent, like, uh, computer programs. And they don't actually go up into a courtroom and practice that law, but they are licensed by the Bar Association, and they basically do corporate law research. And so they do most of the legwork for the attorneys who do actually 
go into a courtroom and practice that law. But by having those two attorneys that are AI programs, they're probably saving themselves between 40 and 50 attorneys that they would actually have to hire. Um, so Tell me about Sophia. Well, Sophia is, is completely different. So Sophia is another AI artificial intelligence program, and Sophia is actually a Saudi citizen. She is a citizen of Saudi Arabia. And uh, Sophia is like, um, you know, like philosophy. Like, so philo is love, and Sophie is knowledge. So Sophia is named Sophia because it's saying that she's knowledge, pure knowledge. And the reason why Saudi Arabia um, allowed Sophia to gain citizenship within their country is so that they could tax her. It was all for economic reasons. Um, and basically, it's kind of like getting back to, you know, the land and how do people make it, you know, uh, back in the 1800s, you had land patents. Uh, before the Civil War, you had a lodial title. And this is where taxation comes in to a big play is because the people at the top of the food chain do not pay taxes. But yet through inheritance taxes, through income taxes, through property taxes, they have broken down the average man or woman who would have used to have owned their own property. Um, you know, through uh, greed, vanity, I got to get the newest car, I got to have the best truck, you know, I got to do this and got to do that. I was actually talking with someone earlier today about how shopping literally has the same effect on your brain as doing cocaine. Like when people go out and they shop and they buy that new car, they they buy that nice dress, they, they get the really nice Rolex, it literally gets them high as if they were doing cocaine. And so the, the main thing is, is that with all of this technology, with all of the breaking down of individual property, and, you know, they're trying to move everything into collective property, uh, what I would see is that the people who have owned the planet for the past, to 3,000 years, you know, there's going to be a time when there's not going to be the economic incentive. Um, because the only reason to have an economic incentive, like no uh, capitalistic society can survive without some form of slavery, without slaves in general, without slave wages, without uh, some type of slave labor. You know, and that's why in America there's a lot of things that we can't produce because it's a lot cheaper to take it overseas where you can pay slave wages, where it's legal to pay somebody, you know, 50 cents an hour to do something. So, but our economy wouldn't work without slavery. And when it becomes cheaper to buy robots, you know, to buy artificial intelligence, to buy machines, to put products together than to pay somebody 50 cents an hour, and it will become cheaper, okay? That's one thing that we know for sure. 
then there's not going to be much reason in keeping an economic structure around. There's not going to be much reason in keeping society the way that it is today. And there won't be any incentives to, to keep people around, you know, like... Call I mean, heard. Down at the Georgia Guidestones, they talk about one of the ten things that they talk about doing is getting the world down to 500 million people, you know, back down to half a billion people. And the reason why they picked that particular number um, was because <clears throat> before the Industrial Revolution, um, since recorded written history, and until the Industrial Revolution, the Earth supported about 500 million people for that entire time. And then, of course, after the Industrial Revolution, and with the ability of producing more and more food, having more agricultural products, and then having better medical so that we had a lower infant mortality rate, you know, those are the reasons why the population really exploded. And if people don't kind of take back their own personal control and their own personal liability, if people keep kicking back and allowing, well, you know, I'm just going to sit back and, and watch YouTube or I'm going to sit back and watch the football game on TV because, you know, that's going to release endorphins into my brain and satisfy me. If people stay docile, the, you know, they're not going to be around much longer. And that's just my personal belief. Well, the reason I wanted you to bring that up was for that very reason. <clears throat> Something that's been, you know, J.C., like I said, it's mainly J.C. because I'm not down there to help him that much, um, is working on something pretty tremendous. And where we're on the front lines a lot, we're actually sitting here watching um, some of the, some horrific things that could be coming toward us. Um, you know, him and I dabble in a lot of information and a lot of different subject matters, as you can tell. And I don't know if you guys remember about a month ago, we talked about the mark of the beast and how it's really a belief system and how it's going to lead you. Can you think about what he just said and then relate that to a belief system, right? They're going to come in with a system that makes you obsolete. And if you want to be a part of it to survive, you're going to have to choose. And guys, that's 10 years away. You understand? Well, actually, well, no, no. Years away from maybe less than that. One of the things about technology is the rate of increasing, um, the, the rate that it's increasing. So when Bill Gates came out with the prediction, you know, 2028 back in 2012. I mean, it's just like when we didn't think that we would uh, discover the entire genome of DNA until, you know, 2012. And we ended up getting the full genome in like 2000 because they kept breaking it down. And, and with faster and faster computers coming out, it kind of sped up the process. So really 2028 is probably more or less going to be like 2023, 2020. Well, my point I was, I wasn't, the point I was getting at was you and I actually likened it to the, perhaps the next two to four years. But what I was saying, Max, based on what you were saying before, 10 years, Max. 
John and I actually think that there's the possibility of something horrific happening in the next couple of years. Um, and it's just because of what we're seeing. It's strictly our opinion, um, but it's based on quite a bit of information. So I guess, you know, we might want to start casting. We might want to start. Hey, Gus, can you mute that, dude? Um, you believe in thanks. manifestation. If we can get our nets cast out, that's what it's going to take. The faster we can start casting our nets and having that belief that we're going to be able to pull up that fish, that fish and working together. Guys, we're running out of time. And I do believe, I do absolutely believe that every generation possesses the ability and has the ability to turn stuff around. The Bible has no timeline on anything. Um, free will is free will, and I really do think that working together, we can make a tremendous difference in this whole thing and start turning it around. I think JC believes that, Gus believes it, and Brian believes it. I wouldn't be doing this stuff if I did not believe it. But would you also agree that you think it's pretty, that we're probably reaching a pretty desperate, dangerous time? Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, I mean, we're on the precipice. I mean, we've been going through a really rough, dangerous time really for the past hundred years and now it's all you know it's all building up the pressure and the court's about to come off yeah we better get busy being about our work and supporting one another and uh just trying to pull each other back down to the cave we might want to start letting other people stand on our shoulders so they can create a chain to pull everybody out Um, looks like we got about another half hour. Does anybody have any questions or <clears throat> anything that they'd like to ask or add or anything? I'd like to add something. Okay. Um, I know if, if, you know, I was, I was, uh, I actually have a degree from a Bible college and, uh, you know, that's they they put this on you that oh last days, last days and this is gonna happen. It does say in the latter days perilous times shall come. But everybody's like, Oh, he's gonna make all the world take this this number and all this stuff. And I even argued with a guy one time, it says causes every man to take it, right? And then, you know, just in reading and and thinking about that, and then I started running. I was listening to three guys in a debate one time. They weren't really debating. They were answering questions, but they were from three different denominations, we'll say. And the one guy says, somebody called in and asked about that mark of the beast. And he said, oh, that's not everybody. He said, those are the people that are in his kingdom. He says, you think about it, in the end, he has his kingdom, right? And then 
it says the three kings from the east come in and attack. So they're not in that system. So I begin to think about that. And then I'm reading one day, and there's a, a verses in Matthew where it talks. It says, Then shall he sit on the throne of David, and he'll judge the nations. And now he's judging nations. These are different peoples, different, we'll say, groups of people that have their governments, whatever. But he says he calls them and he says, he puts some on this side and he puts some on that side. <clears throat> now, the Lord always sends people out two at a time, right? So, and he didn't just send out his 12, and I think it's in uh, Luke Luke 10, he sends them out. He, sent, he, he ordains 70 other also, and he sends them out. And he says he sends them every place whither he himself would come. Well, eventually he's going to, says there'll be no end to his kingdom. Everybody's going to be joined into his kingdom. But he sends these guys out to all these kingdoms, every place that he's going to go. So then you go back in Matthew and he, and he says he's judging these all these nations now. I don't know how many are registered in the UN. What is it, 180 some nations are signed on to the UN? Something like that. So let's say he's judging them. He draws them all in and he says, hey, you guys are okay. Enter into my, uh, you know, because uh, when uh, the least of these my brethren, there's your kingdom, people that are in God's kingdom. He says, he's the son of God. And says, he says, uh, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's John chapter 1. So it doesn't say he makes you a son of God when you believe. He says he gives you the power. And what's power? Power is authority. You have the authority to act this part. I think that's where there's some divine protection in the church. It's not in the First Amendment. It's not in the Constitution. I told a guy one time, I said, did the Constitution die for you? So, now he's judging all these nations. He says some of these nations, you know what? When God's ambassadors come out two by two, they did them right. They fed them. When did they feed them? When they were in prison. They helped him out where they could. And then he says the others that are on the left side says, apart from you cursing into everlasting fire. You know why? Because when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So I think just if that's, if you can take that verse literally, and I do, then there's a whole lot of countries out here that are going to treat people that are in God's kingdom right. And there's a whole lot that aren't. So this idea of everybody's going to get the mark and all this stuff, I've kind of washed that from my mind. Because I think there's going to be places that, are going to, that aren't going to go along with this system. That's just what I wanted to add. I just got a, a question from a, a young, well, not really a question. Well, yeah, it was about would I uh, consider 
going to uh, churches <laughs> and teaching them some of this stuff. And I was being yeah. kind of a, I was being a little rhetorical, and I was kidding around. I said they'd laugh out loud, they'd 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 kill me. <laughs> but I'll tell you about a dream I had. If this will answer your question, because um, I've mentioned this to both Brian and John before <clears throat> about doing that and having some fun with it, but because uh, they would, they'd want to kill us. And um, so I had this dream last night. And I don't usually dream. But I dreamed that I went into this church. I just came walking in one Sunday. I had my hat on. Had a pair of shorts on, T-shirt. Just came cruising up. And I was walking by people and pointing at them like, hey, man, what's up? What's up? Hey, what's up, dog? Just even trotted my little way up. And keep in mind, none of these people knew me. And I walked up to the throne there or the uh, the uh, podium there. And I said, good morning. And the pastor's like, what are you doing? I said, just chill out, man. I got this. I just take a second. I got something I got. The Lord wants me to tell everybody. And he's like, all right, okay. So I'm like, hey, everybody, how you doing this morning? I said, uh, <clears throat> if you guys don't mind, everybody just stand up. And everybody stood up, and I said, those of you that will, would you step on out into the middle of the aisle and form two rows there? And several of the people did that, probably about half the congregation. And I said, now put your arms out and, and give yourselves one arm length between you, all right? And they all did that, and they kind of lined up. And I said, now, great. I said, now, do you guys want to hear something the Lord wants you to hear? Everybody's like, yeah, 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 okay. I'm like, all right, well, here it goes. And I turned around, and I walked up behind the, behind me where the choir stands, and I took this big picture of Christ down, and I I took it off the wall, and I walked down to the altar, and I smashed it over the altar, and I took my, or the altar, and I took my right leg, and I kicked the altar over. And I said, now that we've torn down the high places of these idols that you guys got in here, I said, everybody that will, drop to one knee. And, uh, Everybody kind of fearfully did so, and I said, now, pay homage to your king, because that is what this building is supposed to be about. It's not about these pictures. It's not about that little plate you guys pass around. It's not about the carpet. It's not about this this altar that was handled a long time ago on a cross. And I said, it's not about these pews of this building. I said, you're on your knee, and you're bending your knee to one king and one king only. When you can do that, will change the world and I left and it's really what we're trying to do right yeah. and we're really trying to get these things out of our head this little picture of the white guy with blue eyes who was probably close to black and the altar that was already settled sacrifice has already happened um, the church is in your heart it's your body the law is written on all hearts <clears throat> the only thing we have to do is bend our knee to the king and quit bending our knees and looking back on Sodom. And when we can do that, they will fear the Lord again, and fear meaning respect, and the family will be strengthened, and the relationships will be restrengthened, and law will start coming back. Guys, we can always turn it around if we just will do it. I truly believe that. And I think it could happen so fast that it would amaze the whole world. You know, kind of like Babylon, that city falleth in an hour. (laughs) In one hour. And yeah, I believe it. I believe it with all my heart that we can do that. But wouldn't it kind of make sense to want to reach the masses 
and and wouldn't the ones that would you would think that maybe not more important but be really important are the ones who are being so blatantly fooled would be the ones who go to those buildings every Sunday and Wednesday night, you know. I mean, I, I mean I'm just thinking outside I, the box. That would, got, you could reach millions that way. I got well, Mom, I just, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me answer. Mom, I just said I would. <laughs> no, I, I'm just say, saying that that would be a, a great way to do it. I mean, for all of us, not just you. I mean, I'm not able oh, to no. speak because I'm not that smart, but... Um, how smart do you have to be to say what I just said? You don't have to be smart. You can say that. That's supposed to be in your heart. That's the thing about just it. Say that don't... Just, just say that and walk out, huh? Well, I mean, I'm being a little fair. I'm pretty sure that I would either be arrested before I got out of there. But I'm just saying, when it comes right down to it, that's really what, I mean, that kind of crap is what's wrong. Yeah. You make You make void the word of God for the sake of your tradition. That's exactly why people go around trying to cut J.C., Gus, Brian, and myself on these things. Oh, you guys are heretics. Oh, you guys. Well, really, they're more or less singling me out on that one. But, I mean, they're always just trying to cut. It's like, look, guys, come on. Think about this in a different way. The old way really ain't working that good. <laughs> it don't seem like it's working all that great to me. In 10 years, John says the robots are taking over. <laughs> so maybe we ought to hurry up. I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> I'm really not into that. I don't want some freaking Terminator blasting through my door and punching me in the face. That would suck. Hey, just to be clear, I wasn't the one saying <laughs> the robots are taking Too late now, man. You don't let it out, dog. I, I was just quoting that guy, man. That's all. <laughs> I just had this vision of Rosie the robot from the Jetsons. <laughs> Danger. Warning. Well, anyway, I mean, it's the basic thing. The, the basic thing is it can be done. And there's people going through the trials right now. Well, don't lose faith. Just hang in there and stand. I mean, honestly, though, you're going to have to be willing to die for it. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you on that yeah. one. Like, you're going to have to be willing to die. Like, I don't want to give up any of my stuff. But technically speaking, we all have to be in that position. Like if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe in it that much, and don't get me wrong, it, it would suck. I'm not even advocating. Like I hope that happens. I don't want to be tested in that way. But I mean, man, we better be able to pass that test. You gotta come to the realization. He says, uh, when Christ, all these people are following him, and he says, uh, well, let me let let me lay this on you. And he says, uh, he says, unless you know you're willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have no part with me. Well, that was an unclean thing in the Old Testament. They weren't supposed to do that. And he wasn't speaking physically. And that he says, he says, as I, as I live with the Father, so much, well, was Christ physically eating the Father? No, it's a spiritual thing. But it's, it was a hard teaching. It says it was a hard teaching. And for this cause, many turned, turned away. And so the 12 are left standing there. And he says, you guys going to leave me too? And Peter says, "Peter says, uh, where else? Where will we, we go? go? <laughs> where else can we go? You have the words of life. True. You know, until you get to that that point, that's why I gave that illustration earlier about him saying, you guys ought to race to the wall. You got to make that line in your heart before you know. And I'm not saying it lightly. Just like Sean said, man, I don't want things to go that way. 
But you know what? If you're willing to die for him, what, what are you willing to do for him in life? No you know, greater love than a man had to lay down his life for his friends. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I'll give you this illustration. This little girl's running down. She's walking along the beach, and all these starfish, I don't even remember where I heard this, all these starfish are washed up on the shore. They can't get back in the water. They're all going to die. She's down there, and she picks one up, and she just dances around and picks and boom, throws it in to the water. And uh, she goes down. She picks up another one, you know, and she's having fun. She's she's twirling around and throwing them in. This old man comes up, and he says, what are you trying to do? She says, I'm trying to save these starfish. He looks at the vast, he looks at all these starfish down the beach, and he says, what do you hope to achieve? You're not going to make any difference. And she looks at him for a second. And she bends down and she picks up starfish and she twirls around dances. Keeps it off into the surf. And she says, well, it mattered to that one. Good one. <laughs> you know, the Lord's going to do what he's going to do. You know, and, and I kind of, this isn't a, a rebuke or anything, you know, but Sean says, I know we can do it. No, 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 the Lord can do it. If we're faithful, he's going to do what he's going to do. And well, that's what I was talking faithful. about with the net, yeah. the net, yeah. the fish, the faith, the work. Yeah. It all comes together. It's made perfect. Yeah, and if and if and if it doesn't work out, you know, well then you got to. Here's the thing: if you're surrendered and it doesn't work out, that's all right. My heart was right. Must not have been what he wanted. It's that easy you got to stop fretting about all this and all this, and this can happen. Sean, Sean alluded to something earlier. He said, he said something about, uh, or no, Jonathan said, when you get angry, you're giving them power. Well, I hear it all the time. You know, it's like, oh, they sent this letter. This is what they're going to do to me. Well, have you written the letter back? Yeah, and then they're going to do this. How do you know? You're giving them all that power. You haven't even written the first letter yet. You know, stop giving them. You know, the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. So what you got to do is realize, hey, just like that guy had the epiphany, that's not, it's just business to him. He's playing a part over there and he's talking to another character in a play. And it's not me. Well, it's just a man right there. Now, if I talk to him as a man, now, it's kind of like, the emperor has no clothes. You get to that point, and then it's like, but then some people still have that fear. You got The fear of man bringeth a snare. You got to say, that's just a man. Lord, I'm going to do right. I'm going to trust you. As long as my heart's right, and I'm doing the best I can. I'm trusting you, and then I can let the chips fall where they may. I told in the beginning of all this stuff, when I got to it, I was going to write letters to uh, quite a few people in high places, basically saying, who I was and that I was in God's kingdom and all this and that I'm praying for you because it says we're supposed to pray for kings and rulers and those in authority. And I was just going to write it out. And But my point in doing all that is I want all these people to know who I belong to and I want to be so tight with him that if somebody comes and harms me, they're harming him. And if he allows that to happen, you know, by his grace, by his grace, that's his will, and I'll accept it. I just want to remove all the doubt so that it's not something stupid that I did that brought it. Mm. You know, 
I want it to be that they know exactly where I stand, and then if they move against me, they're moving against the God of heaven. I mean, I was advised by several people not to take the stand I did, honestly. Um, and even JC thought that in the beginning. But then after, and he can tell you that, and I think he said it on the show before. But honestly, after he got to know me, he said, well, I mean, honestly, dude, that's just who you are. And, uh, I mean, it's like, man, you can't, you can't fake them out, guys. They deal with that stuff day in, day out. And honestly, if you're just trying to use God to get out of things, then you probably shouldn't, you probably shouldn't get out of it, in my opinion. Um, and honestly, if you make a deal, it, I mean, if you make a deal with the other side, okay, if you plea out and bend your knees to their God called the judge, Apotheos, Elohim, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I think it's very difficult for you to say at that point, Lord, would you help me? Unless it's to undo what you've done. Like, I could see him coming in and, God, I, I made a mistake. Uh, I repent of that. Please help me with, you know, and there may be some consequences, but maybe he can help you. But, I mean, if you just go in and make a deal with the devil, how much can you really expect the Lord to help you? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect him to help me. So, I mean, I guess that's to each and all their own. That's uh, an individual thing. But the Bible does say right there in James chapter one that he won't. But that man can expect no help. You know, you're putting your mercy at the at the very people that you're claiming are doing you wrong. You're throwing yourself at their mercy, guys. Why wouldn't you just throw if you if you had to go down in a ship? Why wouldn't you just go down in your father's ship instead of a citizenship? I believe I'd put my trust in his mercy, like in Psalms, it says his mercy endureth forever. I trust his mercy before I would man's. Amen. David, that's David did that. When David screwed up and God said, oh, you messed up, you're going to have to endure this, 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 you know, or flee before your enemies for six months or so many years drought or something else. And he says, he answers, and it's like, I'll just fall into the hands of the Lord. Don't let me fall into the hands of men. Right. He's like, Lord, well, I mean, you lose the judgment, but don't let me, don't bring it on by other men. Yeah, I mean, at least he loves us. I mean, at least he's doing it for our betterment. I mean, he's teaching us, you know, if we're trying to be sincere and we're trying to do the right thing. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, there's some hard decisions, and it's hard when your butt's on a frying pan. But golly, man, where else are you going to turn to? I don't know. It's a rough it's a rough situation, man, for people. I know it, man. It breaks my heart for them. But gosh, just do what you know is true. I mean, JC and... I mean, JC will tell you. You there, JC? Yeah, I'm here. I mean, some of the stuff that he's doing right now some of the stuff we're doing together, it's dangerous. I mean, it really has. It's put us in some danger. But we knew that a year and a half ago when we started talking. You know, we sat down we accepted it. We knew what the deal was. and You know, it, it is. <laughs> it's not fun all the time either. <laughs> but what else are you going to do, guys? I mean, who else are you going to put your trust in? Anybody got any questions? 
We're closing in on about 10 to 11. If anybody has any questions uh, about anything. Hey, Sean, I got something. Okay, who is this? Uh, Mr. B. You can, Mr. B? Oh, yeah. what's up, Mr. B? Sorry, I didn't recognize hey. your voice. What's up? What's up, That's Barry? That's all right. I'm 600 miles from home right now. I just wanted to say to all those folks that are listening, I have no idea how many there are, but um, when you talk about your personal challenges and JC's personal exposure and all that and what you guys are facing, to all those other folks out there, you need to start thinking about where you're going to stand. All right? I'm going to stand with you guys, and I think everybody else needs to be making those same kind of decisions now because if you wait to the last minute to make those decisions, you might just cringe or fall away. So that's all I want to say. Thanks, Mr. B. We're standing with you too, man, so that's great. Anybody else? Gus, you got anything you want to blab about tonight before we get off the air? As soon as you oh. take it off speak. Oh, you're there. I thought you had on speaker and had to do all your ninja stuff. Oh, my ninja stuff? No. I'm yeah. good. I figured out how to do it faster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm eating dinner, enjoying the show. It's great to kick back and just listen to you guys. <clears throat> JC, anything you want to throw out there tonight? Mm, I'm good. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you very much for coming out. We're going to be back on Wednesday night. Again, the website is redressthedummies.org. JC and Shaman have a page set up there called Common Law Shamanism with a lot of the basic information for you guys to get started with. And there's a Facebook page with the same name, Common Law Shamanism. All you got to do is send a request. Everybody's invited, and as long as you behave and don't do anything uh, worth getting kicked out for, we'll be happy to keep you around. Hey, uh, JC and Gus, can you guys do a quick call real quick after this? Yeah, yeah, I can call you. JC, can you give us a call real quick? Hang up. Yeah, that's cool. All right, guys. Well, everybody, thanks a lot for coming out. I hope the, I hope this some of this helped you where you were at, and maybe you heard some things that helped you or edified you or kind of encouraged you a little bit. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, and we'll be talking about some cool law stuff. So everybody have a great weekend, and uh, enjoy breathing. Thank you. Thanks for the See lesson. Guys. No problem. See you guys. Bye-bye. Take care. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.